text this morning, morning is from Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14, which says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in, in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you're probably wondering, like, what is going on? I thought we were in Nehemiah. Um, and you're right, like we actually are in the middle of a series uh, through Nehemiah, and it's been a great series uh, because when we're talking about Nehemiah, Nehemiah was tasked by God, called by God to rebuild the walls, to refortify Jerusalem. Uh, he was on this great mission of God, and we've been talking about how, um, how the, uh, like really Nehemiah's mission has a lot of parallels to our mission today, right? Our mission today in planting uh, a church. Because Nehemiah is a story about this ordinary guy called by God to do an extraordinary work, kind of like the story of a church plant and how a church plant starts. And just like for them, like their job was to rebuild the walls, refortify the city so that they could worship God faithfully again, but also be a light and an example to the surrounding community. In the same way, like that's very similar to, to our mission in building a new church. And so, um, if with that little sort of teaser, uh, if you're expecting, if you're new with us, to, to continue in that series, um, you're just going to have to come back next week, I guess. Um, and we hope you will. Uh, but uh, one, of the, one of the wonderful things about being uh, part, of, uh, part of a church plant, uh, kind of a small growing church community, uh, is we have an opportunity to just like, get, to, get to know one another uh, and um, just really be there for each other uh, in ways where maybe it's easy to get lost in the crowd in a much larger church. Uh, and that's not a knock on larger churches. It's just one of the beautiful things uh, that we have the privilege of being a part of uh, as, a, as a new growing church plant. And man, this last week... Um, in the last few weeks, really, like we've 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 been been hearing uh, from from many of, of you guys uh, about some just incredible trials uh, that that you've been going through. Um, whether it's some of our members ending up in the hospital, uh, some of our members having close family ending up in the hospital doing due to tragic situations um, and and accidents, um, family members who who have lost their lives. Um, and I've been, been thinking, thinking through this and wondering if, like, man, maybe we should, maybe we should do a, a text, preach on a passage of Scripture that would be really pertinent to just sort of like the heavy weight that it seems that our congregation's feeling at this time due to unforeseen circumstances. 
in the middle of that, as I was considering that, um, I ended up like busting my head open <laughs> earlier this week, um, and that kind of put my week into this into this whole um, world world spin. I don't even know what word I'm looking for. Uh, maybe the hit was worse than I thought, <laughs> but um, but this morning I thought it'd be great for us to maybe take a one-week break from the book of Nehemiah. And as a church family, just focus our attention on one of the most important disciplines that we can have as Christians, the discipline of prayer. And specifically, we're going to be looking at this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, which is like, how should we pray when we are feeling weak? How should we pray when we're feeling spiritually weak? Now, if you've been around for some time, like you, you probably know this is like one of my favorite passages to preach from. And every time that I preach it, like I preach it a little bit differently because there's so much depth here. There's so much gold in these words. And this prayer we're looking in the book of Ephesians, it's a prayer for spiritual strength. And if you're anything like me, especially a season right now, you understand the need for a prayer like that. You understand the need for a prayer for spiritual strength. Like, even if you're new to the Christian faith, like, you might be new to the Christian faith, or you might be like, you might be a veteran. And wherever you sort of land on that spectrum, you know that there are times where you just feel beat up. We're just feeling spiritually weak. You're feeling just the weight of the world, the weight of your circumstances. Even if you know Jesus, you love Him, you worship Him as God, and even if you know His Word and the Spirit of the living God lives and dwells inside of you, even then you know there are times that you just don't experience that. You don't experience the strength that should be felt with that. And you feel far from God. You feel far from Him. You feel weak. And so my hope is that this prayer in Ephesians will teach us how to pray when times like this hit. How should we pray in times like these? And so a question for us to have in our minds as we're going into this text is, how do you pray when you're feeling spiritually weak? How should we pray when we're feeling spiritually weak, when we're feeling far away from Jesus? You see, to find the answer, we're, we're going we're gonna to look at this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. And in this this prayer that, that we just read, we see Paul is praying for spiritual strength for the people that he's writing to, right? Paul, in many ways, he sees himself as a spiritual father, as a pastor to these people. He's writing to them, and he knows that they're feeling spiritually weak, and so he's writing to them saying, hey, look, here's my prayer for you. Here's my prayer for, for you for to have spiritual strength. And so we're going to look at his prayer as he prays for them, to learn from Him how we should pray when we're feeling that kind of spiritual weakness. So Paul's prayer for spiritual strength is really the strength to know the love of Jesus. That's the primary thing he's praying for them, that they would know the love of Jesus. Paul prays this not only for them, actually in this passage, he prays this for us today too. In verse 18, you may have seen it, he says to them, he says, look, I want you to comprehend this with all the saints, with all the saints. 
And guess what? If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, like that includes you. That includes you. And so Paul was not only praying this for them, he was praying this for us. And so as we dig into these verses, we're going to be looking at like why we need a prayer like this, why we need a prayer for spiritual strength. We're going to look at what this spiritual strength is for. And then lastly, we'll look at how we receive spiritual strength. Now, when we ask that question, why do we need this spiritual strength? You got to consider, like, when you look at the book of Ephesians, you might know that, like, this prayer, as I mentioned earlier, that this prayer is actually written to Christians, right? It's written to Christians. And we know that because at the beginning of Ephesians, Paul says he's addressing, in verse, chapter 1, verse 1, he's addressing the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. That's who he's writing to. So he's writing to the saints who are in Ephesus. These are believers, right? And so in all of Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, Paul's actually describing the gospel. In the first two chapters of this letter, he's describing, unpacking the gospel. He's reminding them of the reality of their salvation. And so these are people who already know Jesus, They already know him. They already love him. And now if that's true, then why is Paul praying in this passage that they would know Christ? He says, I pray that you would know the love of Christ. Why is Paul praying that if they're believers? Why would he pray elsewhere in this passage that they have the fullness of God? Like, don't they already have that? These are Christians, right? Don't they already have the fullness of God? Why is Paul praying that for his friends to receive what they already have? Now, here's why. (laughs) The reason he prays that is because it's one thing to know the love of Jesus. It's one thing to know the love of Jesus, but it's something else entirely to actually like experience it. It's one thing to know the love of Jesus in your head, but it's something else entirely to experience it in your heart, in the core of who you are, to where it changes not only the way you think, but the way that you feel, your desires, your affections, the way you live out your faith in the world. You see, but that's what Paul wants for these people he's writing to. That's what Paul wants for his friends. That's what Paul wants for us. And that's why he prays. You see, he wants them to not only know the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus with their minds, he wants them to experience its weight, its power in their hearts. You see, your faith, this whole Christianity thing, shouldn't just bear weight on how you think. It should actually bear weight on how you live, on how you love, on how you feel. And so see, the, your ultimate problem this morning, like our ultimate problem is not physical. It's not primarily physical. It's not even financial. It's not relational with other people. Your primary problem is a spiritual one. A spiritual one. That is why of all the things that Paul could pray for on his knees, it says he prayed on his knees for this. Of all the things he could pray for, Paul prays for this spiritual strength. You see, the the church, the Christians in Ephesus, they were facing all kinds of hardship. All kinds of hardship when Paul wrote this letter. All kinds of hardship from the outside, and yet Paul knew that this was their greatest need. Their greatest need, in spite of all their bad circumstances, was to experience his love, the love of Jesus, in this way. And so, look, some of us, 
Some of you are big on theology, right? Like you're big on doctrine, you're big on theology, but you're very suspicious of experience. Very suspicious of his experience. Like if I if I surprised you guys and said, "Hey, we're gonna do a pop quiz on theology this morning." There's a quiz under your, your chair. Like some of you guys would go ballistic. You'd be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so excited! I'm gonna nail this!" Right? If there was a pop quiz about theology and truth, like you'd probably nail it. You'd probably nail it because you like to learn the truth things about God. Right? You love to learn things about God. You love to to learn about it, to defend it, to declare it, and that's all good. We love that. We love theology here. But as as critical as theology is and as necessary as it is, Jesus still wants more for you. He wants you to experience him too. Reformers used to talk about what they called experiential theology. In other words, we needed our hearts to be reformed, reshaped, and renewed by the gospel as well. And that's what Paul wanted for his readers. He wants them, he wants us to experience not that theology not only in our heads, but he wants it to burrow down to be fire in your bones. Look at verse 14 with me. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, he says that at the beginning of chapter 3. And so when he see him say, for this reason, we're like, for what reason, right? And what we remember is that Paul has been unpacking the gospel for the last two chapters. He's been unpacking the theology of the gospel, the doctrine of the gospel, for the first two chapters. And so he says, look, now for this reason... Because of that doctrine, because of the content of this gospel, because of the theology of the gospel, here now, Paul says in Ephesians 3, now he unpacks, like, now he wants us to experience the gospel. He says, look, that that theology that we just talked about, Ephesians 1 and chapter 2, I don't just want that to stay in your heads. I want that to burn down into your soul. I want you to experience the power of it. And that's why Paul's praying on his knees. He wants that for them. He wants that for his readers, and he wants that for us. And so now we move on to what is this spiritual strength for? What is this spiritual strength for? How many of you guys are familiar with Brinehead, Utah? Brinehead, Utah? You ever been there? Um, I know Ryan Autry is familiar with that. Well, one of the first college retreats I ever went on, Ryan, Ryan Autry broke, broke his tailbone um, and sat on a donut for the whole week. Um, those are good times. Um, <clears throat> now, Brinehead, Utah, uh, it's like a popular ski uh, destination, snowboarding destination, and, and, and in Brinehead, Utah, they have these, these mountains called Giant Steps, right? Um, and if you're familiar with the area, you know that the reason it's called Giant Steps is because it's literally like one mountain that grows out of another mountain that grows out of another mountain, kind of like Giant Steps, right? And, and, and some, some Bible scholars have actually described this prayer as sort of a staircase. They say it's as though each turn of each phrase, each verse and turn of phrase, Paul's climbing step by step, taking us to greater and greater heights, to greater and higher heights, to greater and more awesome truths. And I think that that's a great picture 
to say it's like a staircase, but I'm, when I picture this, this passage, I'm like, man, it's kind of like Brian Head, Utah. It's like mountainous steps, right? These mountainous steps. This prayer is, is like, is like that. You see, in answering the question, what is this spiritual strength for? I want us to, to spend the next sort of few minutes kind of walking up these giant steps. Walking up these giant steps as we consider greater and more awesome truths uh, as along the way. And so the first step I want us to look at is that this, this spiritual strength is for our inner being. That's what it's for. It is for our inner being. And we see that in verse 16. Paul says, he prays, that according to the riches of God's glory that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now first, I want you to see that God provides his strength out of the riches of his glory. That's where his strength comes from. It comes from the riches of God's glory. Now think about that. Who's Paul praying to? Paul's praying to the God who created the universe, this, this whole like hurricane of stars and planets that, that we live in, like God created it, it, it all. This is the God who created it all. He owns it all. If the Bible says that he measures galaxies with the span of his fingers. He holds all creation together with the sheer power of his will. It's all by him and it all belongs to him. I don't think it's a stretch to say that this God has no lack of resources, right? This God has no lack of resources, and everything that we could ever possibly need is found in Him. And so when Paul says that this strength comes out of the riches of God's glory, like that is a profound statement. And Paul knows exactly what we need from this great God, from this God who has no limit, to his nature, his character, his resources. Paul knows what we need the most from this great God to his readers. He, What he asks for is he says that according to the riches of God's glory that he may grant you to be, and here's his request, strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. You see, only the God of glory can give that kind of power. Only the God who owns all glory can give that kind of power. You see, he's not talking about physical strength. He's talking about spiritual strength, strength in your inner being. And that's exactly where we need it most. That's exactly where we need it most, in our inner being, in the very core of who you are, your passions, your desire, your identity. That's where we need spiritual strength. So Paul's making an important point here. His point is the priority of the inner life over the outward life. The inner life has priority over the outward life. If you have strength in your inner life, if you have peace in your inner life, then Paul says, look, it really doesn't matter what your outward circumstances are. But if your outward life looks awesome to the world and to yourself, if your outward life looks awesome and your inner life is a hot mess, 
then when you, you'll go out into the world in weakness. You'll go out to the world in weakness. And that's why we need strength in our inner being. You see, there's limits to our spiritual strength. The other day, my daughter, Geneva, um, you may have seen her. She's like the cutest kid in the kids' ministry. Uh, I'm just kidding. We all have cute kids. But the other day, my daughter, Geneva, she's like two and a half years old. She, she, wanted, she wanted our couch moved. Uh, we've got like this large L-shaped couch. She wanted it moved. And so she runs up to me and she says, Daddy, she's like, you, you pick that up and you move it. Uh, and my favorite thing about that scenario is that she actually thinks that her daddy can do that. <laughs> but the fact is, the reason she asked me that is because she knows like there's a limit to her strength. There's a limit to her two, two-year-old like little limbs, right, to what they can carry. And that's why she asked, because there's a limit to our strength. There's a limit to our energy. She doesn't know this yet, but there's a limit to daddy's strength too, right? <laughs> Like, if I want, I, I told her, like, I, I couldn't at the time, but, like, if I, if I wanted to move that couch for her, if I wanted to move it quickly, like, I'd probably call, like, Daryl and Mario, right? Like, we got CrossFitters in the room, right? So we, we, we'd call up the CrossFitters and have them, have them help me carry this thing. Like, if I need to carry something that's beyond the limits of my physical strength, like, I have friends for that. I've got people I can call for that. If I need financial strength, like we, we have a financial planner for that. If I need spiritual strength, if I need spiritual strength, and I desperately do, we desperately do, then where can we go? Where can I go? Where else can I go? Like if you're like me, you need daily strength. You need daily spiritual strength in your faith, daily strength in your joy. Daily, you need your soul revived, renewed. You need strength in your inner being. And God is the only one who can provide that kind of strength. Now, why do we get, why do we need strength in our inner being? Why do we need that strength in our inner being? Let's look at the second step, the second giant step is it's so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. It's for the indwelling of Jesus in our hearts. Look at verse 17 with me. Paul says he, he's praying this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And so you might be thinking, look, isn't Jesus already doing that? Isn't he already dwelling in my heart through faith? Like if we're followers of Jesus, isn't he already there? Isn't Jesus already in our hearts? But it's helpful to know that what Paul means when he says, it's helpful for us to know what Paul means when he uses that word dwell. You see, in the original language that this was written in, that word dwell is actually a pretty strong verb. It's an intensely strong verb, and it means more than just like to live somewhere. It means more than just to hang somewhere. It actually means like to take up residence. To take up residence. To fully occupy. And so when Paul prays that Christ will dwell in our hearts, he's praying that Christ will, will take up residence in your heart. That he'll fully occupy it. That he'll fully make it his own. You see, it's kind of like buying an, an old 
beat up home, right? Like the, when you're buying a home, when you're buying, especially if it's an old home, if it's a beat up home, like when you buy that home, the moment that escrow closes, that home is yours, right? The keys are yours. It belongs to you. But if it's an old beat up home, some renovations might be in order, right? Like maybe you want hardwood floors, maybe you want granite countertops or a fire pit. But for us, like, like maybe you need a couch moved, right? Like for, for us, when, when we moved into, into our home, it wasn't an old beat up home, but it was an older home. And like we needed new carpet, we needed new paint, and we're, you know, we're going to do some, some roofing work. And, and at the time, we needed like all this furniture and shelving and other things added. You see, after you move in and take over a home, you can start making those changes, right? Like once it's yours, once you have the keys, you, it's yours, but then at that point, then you can start making those changes. You can start making that home your own. You occupy it, but now you can begin to fully occupy it. You can begin to take residence in that home. And over time, more and more, your presence will mark that home. It'll become more of the home that you want it to be. Over time, it'll fit your tastes more, your personality more. It'll, it'll be different five years from now than the day that you close escrow. And see, when Jesus takes up residence in our hearts, it's, it's a mess, right? And some of you are like, man, my heart is still a mess. But over time... Over time, Jesus continues to transform this residence as a place that's appropriate for him, as a place that is more and more marked by his holiness, where his presence transforms our hearts, that he makes us his own, that he more and more conforms us, molds us, reforms us, renews us, revives us into his perfect image to where we reflect his nature and his character more and more. And that's what Paul prays for. That's what Paul's praying for, that Christ will dwell in our hearts by faith, that he'll conform not just our heads, but our hearts and our lives to look like his. And why does Christ have to make residence in our hearts? Look at the rest of verse 17. It says, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And that's the third giant step we're looking at, that we may know the love of, Christ, of Jesus that surpasses knowledge. You see, this is more than a prayer about us just loving Jesus more. It is about knowing the love of Jesus toward us more. It's more than a prayer about us loving Jesus more. It's more about knowing the love of Jesus towards us more. You see, Paul says that we are rooted and grounded in love. We're rooted and grounded in love. And so it's not that we don't know about his love. Paul's not assuming we don't know about his love. He's reminding us that we're rooted and grounded in love. And so it's not that we don't know about this love of Jesus. It's that he wants us to know it and then be transformed by it. Did you notice he prays that they'll have strength to comprehend the love of Christ, which he says surpasses all knowledge. 
He says, I pray that you'll comprehend the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. And so, basically, he's saying, I'm praying that you'll know something that cannot be known. How does that make sense, right? Like, what Paul prays for is this. He's praying. The reason he prays that is that he wants us, he says he prays that you, may, that you would come to know the love of Jesus more fully than you do now. See, he wants us to know the love of Christ more fully in our inner being. So are you longing for spiritual strength this morning? Has this just been a hard week, a hard month? You're feeling weak and you're longing for spiritual strength, for more of that strength, for more of God's work, power. If you want that, then you need a deeper comprehension, a deeper understanding of the love of Christ for you. So, Think about this. How do you measure spiritual strength? Like, how do we measure spiritual strength? Like, in your life right now, how do you measure whether you're feeling spiritually strong or not? Do we measure it by your feelings? By how you're feeling at the moment? By your circumstances? By how great they are? Or how great they're not? Do you measure your spiritual strength by by your performance at work or in the church and serving in ministry or by how tight your relationships are in Christian community or by how on mission you are with your neighbors, how known you are by people, how understood you are, or how great life happens to be at the moment? How do you measure your spiritual strength? Now, how does God actually strengthen us? How does God measure our spiritual strength? You see, according to this text, when we're assessing our spiritual strength, the question that we should ask is, (laughs) do I have a deepening comprehension of Jesus' love? Do I have a deepening comprehension of the love of Christ for me? You see, Paul says that strength comes from being rooted and being grounded in love. That's the love of Jesus. You see, truth by itself is not enough. The prayer that Paul is praying is about knowing the gospel truth and then growing in our grasp of it, growing in our experience of it. And when this happens, when you grasp it even more, when you have a deeper comprehension of it, then Jesus becomes just the ultimate Jesus becomes more real to you than your your wife or your husband. He becomes more real to you than your children, more real to you than your best and closest friends, and more real to you than even your worst enemies or your hardest circumstances or the opinion of others. You see, his love and acceptance then become more valuable to you than any other person on the face of the planet. It means that your position and your status as a child of the living God 
being found and adopted in Jesus Christ becomes more important to you than your circumstances, than your financial status, than how popular you are, how appreciated you are, your position at work, in your family, amongst your friends, in the church. All those things become less important to you, not because there aren't some important things in there. They just become less important to you and you're less anxious and less insecure about them because they don't control you anymore. They don't determine your identity and your value anymore. They don't control you. They don't own you. Jesus does. Jesus does. And so you don't care about losing any of those things out there, however high or low those circumstances might seem. You don't care about losing those things out there because you're experiencing the good news of Jesus Christ in here, in your inner being. Why do we need to know the love of Jesus more in this way? Look at it. Verse 19, the rest of verse 19, it says, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the goal, that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. And that's the last step that we're climbing. Filled with the fullness of God. That's what this prayer is for. Now, what is the fullness of God? The fullness of God is when the beauty of the gospel, the beauty of who you know Jesus to be, his nature, his character, his life, death, burial, resurrection, the fullness of who he is, the beauty of the gospel infiltrates every fiber of your being. That's what the fullness of God is. It's when the beauty of the gospel infiltrates every fiber of your being. It's when your relationship with God leads to wholeness in life. Leads to wholeness. If you come to to Sunday gatherings here like week in and week out to, to hear preaching and then go out into your life feeling just as insecure, just as anxious, just as needy, just as angry then you aren't living in the fullness of God. It doesn't matter what you know up here. Like It needs to infiltrate every fiber of our being. That's what Paul wants. That's what he's asking for. That's what he's pleading to God for on his knees. Paul wants that for you. I want that for you. I want that for our church. You see, the love of Jesus is meant to renew your mind, your desires, your affections, so that it changes every part of your life. It might not be right away, but over time, you'll grow in the fullness of God. You see, many of you, like, when, you, when, you, when you're looking for a church, like you, you choose, you, you're looking for a church that has a commitment to historic truths of the church. Right? You care about doctrine, you care about theology, about faithfulness to the scriptures. And we are all about that. Like, yes. Like, if I, if when I say that, some of you are like, yes, like, I care about truth. Like, that's me. And we're, we're all about that here. We love the truth of the scriptures. But again, it's about more than that. It's about that seed of truth planting itself in the soil of your heart and miraculously by the Spirit of God bearing fruit in a way that just makes God look awesome. 
through the fruit in your life. You see, our lives should be about more than just declaring the gospel of Jesus. It's also about delighting it in it in our in our inner being and displaying it through the fullness of life. You see, and so we should pray for this spiritual strength. We should pray the way that Paul does. Remember, we're learning from him how to pray when we're feeling spiritually weak. We should pray, God, help me to see more of your power. I want to see more of what you've done and what you've accomplished on the cross for my sins in my place. Strengthen me with the wisdom of your word, with the knowledge of your work in the world and your love towards sinners like me. We should pray like that because we need a deeper knowledge of our sin. And when we do that, we get a deeper knowledge of our of his grace. We need a deeper knowledge of our need so we can have a deeper knowledge of the beauty of His grace. You see, don't let the gospel grow so familiar to you in your hearts that it just no longer floors you, that it no longer woos you. You see, that that is what you need when you're feeling spiritually weak. That's what I need to be rooted in the gospel, to be grounded in the love of Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're gaining the approval of those around you. It doesn't matter how, how great or hard your circumstances are. It doesn't matter if you're losing the approval of those around you. Like, you know that God loves you. And he's proven it by his cross and empty tomb. You see, that's our goal. Our goal is to be rooted in the rich soil of the gospel of God's love. Lastly, I want us to look at how we receive the spiritual strength. How we receive this kind of spiritual strength. Of course, first, we receive it by praying for it. That's what Paul did, right? We pray for it on our knees in fervent prayer. Paul is on his knees when he's praying. And when you look at the scriptures, when someone is on their knees praying, like that tells us that, that this is a heavy prayer. That this is a fervent prayer. That is coming from the depths of his soul, of his heart. Again, we should notice what Paul offers them is not a list of do's and don'ts. Right? He's not offering, hey, he's not saying, hey, if you want to be spiritually strong, here's what you do and here's what you don't do. He doesn't offer them a list of do's and don'ts. He offers them a prayer. Why? Because this is a gift. It's not something that you earn. It's not something that you work for. This is a gift from God, and so you pray for it. You can't just pull a lever, lever or like flex your spiritual muscles like, to get this. Like, it's a gift, and so you have to pray for it. You have to yearn for it. You have to seek it, and it must be given from the one who has the power to give from the riches of his glory. Look, some of you might be, be discouraged this morning as, as we're looking at this text because, because you're, you're, you're thinking like, man, I want this. I want to feel spiritually strong. I, I want to pray like this. I want to feel this way, but like I, I just I just don't right now. Like you want this, but you don't have this. And if and if that bums you out, then, then hey, that, that's that's actually a good sign. That's a good sign. It actually shows that the spirit is at work in in you, stirring your affections, 
stirring your desires, your passions for him in your inner being. Otherwise, you just wouldn't care. So first, we pray for it. Secondly, we plug into Christian community. Remember, Paul is praying for this. He says, I want you to have power to comprehend. And then he says, with all the saints, with all the saints. He's reminding them, hey, look, this isn't just, just, a, just a you thing. This is like an us thing, right? With all the saints. In other words, I want you to comprehend this, not by yourself, but with, with others. You see, the chances are you know what it's like to talk about your Christian life with other Christians, Right? You know what it's like to talk about your life with other believers. And talking about, you know what it's like to be talking about a passage of scripture together and that how you're able to just like dig out these nuggets of, of truth together that maybe you would have never gotten by yourself, right? Like some of us have experienced that in Christian community. Or maybe you've had some friends pray for you during a hard time. Friends that can love on you and encourage you with the truth of the gospel. We need that. We need that community. The third, we get it by rehearsing the gospel, by rehearsing the gospel. You see, the gospel is the linchpin in this passage, if you haven't noticed. It's what holds this passage together. You see, it shows up when Paul talks about the love of Jesus. He says that we're to be rooted and grounded in love. He wants us to comprehend this love more. What is the love of Jesus? The love of Jesus is most pronounced in the good news, the gospel of his life, his ministry, of his death, and his resurrection. About how he left his throne for us. He came to a manger for us. He put on dirty human flesh for us. He lived for us, obeyed in our place, died in our place, and rose from the grave in our place so that we could join and share in his triumphant victory over evil, sin, and death. He did that for us. And so to be rooted and grounded in love is to have a deep understanding of all that God has done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Like You might be sitting here thinking, yeah, like I know that. I know that gospel stuff, right? Like I've, I've gotten that one figured out. But see, that's not what Paul assumes. Remember, he's addressing the Ephesians church. It's the church that he started, that he planted. He's addressing them, and he's not assuming that, like he knows they know that stuff, but still he's talking about a deepening of their comprehension. It's not this first level, hey, do you know what the gospel is? Here's what it is, da-da-da-da-da, right? Like he's, it's not just about the knowledge of it, it's about a deepening comprehension. It's about its height, about its length, about its, 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 its breadth, about its depth. He's saying, look, this thing is massive. <laughs> the love of Christ is massive. It's so massive. It's like when you're sitting in the middle of the ocean and you're just like looking out at the horizon and you're like, oh my gosh, this thing never ends. And you just feel so small. You feel so lost before it. Paul's like, that that kind of feeling, that's how I want you to feel about the love of Christ. To understand, to grasp how truly massive it is, to return to it, to remember it, and to rehearse it. 
How do we know that God will be faithful to strengthen us? Look at the last two verses with me. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You see here, here Paul caps his prayer by breaking out in worship. Worship of the one who has the power to answer his prayer. When we doubt God's ability to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, it's because we underestimate his power that is at work within us. You see, the love of Jesus is it's given to us not just for our good, but also for God's glory. For his glory in the church throughout every generation. He guarantees it. And so let's pray for that. Let's pray that with our lives, we not only declare the good news of Jesus, that, but that we delight in it and that we display it today and in every generation. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about King's Cross Church or make a donation, please visit kx.church. Here at King's Cross, we believe that worship means more than just listening to a sermon, and we encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. For Sunday morning meeting time and location for King's Cross Church, please visit kx.church. Thanks again for listening.